And now, a Blaze Media podcast. So thanks to Ramen Noodles. I still want to call them Raymond Noodles, but I know there it's Ramen Noodles. You have an opportunity, or even I have an opportunity, to become a chief noodle officer. <laughs> On the golden anniversary, they're picking a celebrity judge of uh, how do I, how do you top ramen? Hashtag how do you top ramen is the 50th anniversary contest. You can enter the creation uh, on social media, however you do, and simply post a photo and a recipe of your dish and tag the original top ramen and hashtag how do you top ramen. Must be 18 years of age. What happens if you win? 10,000 bucks goes into your bank account. You get a mentorship from the CEO. You get a chance to taste new products, share your feedback, and you get 50 years worth of ramen noodles. <laughs> That's pretty slick. That's pretty slick. Now, if your house is like many houses, including this one, whether it's a house, a trailer, a barn, a shed, you are a ramen noodle house. Why? Because it's easy. And it tastes good. Good for you? Sure. Why not? Whatever you say. But I am ready to become the chief noodle officer. The CNO. (laughs) That's right. I mean, good luck to you. But I'm planning on winning. Or at least, you know, one of my kids. Because if they win, I'm taking the money. Oh, wait. They have to be 18. So only one, well, two can enter and they're going to lose because I'm winning. I am becoming the chief noodle officer from Ramen Noodles. Good luck. Good luck. Welcome Chewing the Fat. How in the world are you? Thanks for coming along for the ride today. So I have a warning for those of you in, well, you know, I'm just going to say it, the, the entire U.S., Now, they claim that it's most commonly a problem in uh, southern states, Texas, but then they mention Missouri. The story mentions Virginia and Florida, so that's why I'm just saying the country. Wherever you live, be on the lookout for one of the most venomous caterpillars there are. There have been multiple reports of the pus caterpillar appearing in parks or near structures uh, in Virginia, in Florida. The Virginia Department of Forestry is warning residents to stay away from the caterpillar. Uh, No, no kidding. It has venomous spines across its thick, furry coat. They're little hollow hairs. Uh, If you see uh, any kind of caterpillar, I would just say stay away. Okay. Uh, According to the Teresa Dellinger, a diagnostician at the Insect Identification Lab at Virginia Tech. That's a good gig right there. A lot to put on the business card, but a good gig. (laughs) What do you do for a living? Well, I'm at the Insect Identification Lab at Virginia Tech University. I'm a diagnostician. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. So the reaction, if you get bit stung attacked by a venomous caterpillar i don't know if they're they attack people 
but it, I wouldn't would put it past caterpillars, venomous caterpillars, to make that happen. The reaction can include an itchy rash, vomiting, swollen glands, and fever. A Virginia resident described the feeling like a scorching hot knife. A Florida mother said her teenage son began screaming when he was attacked, I mean stung, by a venomous caterpillar. So be on the lookout. They are not safe. He compares the caterpillar to a bee sting. If you're susceptible to a bee sting, treat it like one. I would treat it like you just got bit by something that really hurts, okay? Now, again, it doesn't say that they attack you, but I wouldn't put it past anything or any animal in the year of 2020 to have them attack you. We could be seeing reports very soon of venomous caterpillars attacking people in parks from shore to shore here in the U.S. So be on the lookout for the venomous, hairy caterpillar all over the country. So are you prepared to go back to work? Uh, Many of you may have already started going back into your workplace. Many of you may have decided I'm going to stay home. So according to this poll, uh, few people feel comfortable going back to work. The global think tank called uh, Conference Board I work according to polling released Thursday by the conference board. Yeah, uh, it's a, I guess you know it's a huge global think tank. Everyone knows about the conference board. I'm disappointed that I didn't get the mailing flyer of this study. Uh, they found that 28 percent of workers think they will return to work by the end of the year. 17 mm, percent would feel comfortable doing it. of workers indicated they are only moderately comfortable returning. Oh, okay. Working from home has turned out to be more productive than originally expected. 33% of respondents questioned the wisdom of returning to their workspace. 29% of the respondents have little faith in their colleagues' ability to adhere to safety protocols and guidelines, making it harder for them to want to return to work. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you know i'd like to come back to work but my co-workers are dumb and they wouldn't they wouldn't do anything that they're supposed to do and they wouldn't follow any safety protocols and i just i can't go back if that's gonna happen oh okay so yeah your company hired some good people huh so apparently this survey was conducted uh in september mid-September, and it polled 1,100 U.S. workers, and that's the conference board's findings. Incredible that I find it, and I get it, you know, some, a lot of people don't feel comfortable going back to work yet. It's still, you know, we're still having an issue with, uh, you know, cases, more people getting, uh, getting uh, tested, and more people coming down with COVID-19. A lot more asymptomatic people, though, but according to guidelines, you're still supposed to quarantine. Okay, I I get it. But I love the fact that, yeah, you know, I'd, man, 
I'd love to come back, but phew, I do not have faith in my coworkers. <laughs> they are dumb. And of course, that's not what they said, of course. They said the ability to adhere to safety protocols and guidelines makes it harder for me to want to return to work. Really what they're saying, and we do read between the lines here on Chewing the Fat, you, my coworkers, are dumb. And I don't trust you at all to follow any kind of safety protocols. Oh, okay, well, that's nice of you. Well, that having been said, we get the news that Microsoft has now decided, you know what, uh, you can work from home permanently. Yeah, even once the pandemic is over. Eh, don't worry about it. I don't plan on, we're not going to open up the offices. Well, actually, they kind of are. According to this, they're going to create a hybrid workplace. They're going to allow employees to work from home freely for less than 50% of their working week. So a lot of people still kind of got to go in. Managers are going to be able to approve permanent remote work if the staff requests it. So all you have to do is, you know, I don't want to have to come in. And I don't trust any of my coworkers to adhere to any safety protocols. So I'd rather just work from home. Part-time working hours also available uh, with approval from the manager. They've got most of their employees now are working from home. And they weren't even going to reopen. They already said they weren't going to reopen till at least January 2021, which I'm sure many places are already deciding on. And it also said that uh, for those who could work uh, from home uh, entirely from remote, you know what? Well, we're probably going to let that happen. Okay. Good deal. Now, Microsoft has, what, 150,000 employees or more? So I don't know how you I keep offices open, at least the offices that they have, right? They're going to let... Uh, they're going to let people not decide whether they want to come in or not, but they still have to have offices that, you know, and people working in those offices that have access to hardware labs and data centers and in-person training. So you're still going to have to go in and train and hope that your coworkers during the training sessions adhere to company safety protocols. But after that, you can go on back home, get out of here. We don't want you around here. So, Wow, that, uh, that, that leaves a lot of office space wide open. And Microsoft, I'm pretty sure, is smart enough to say, we're not going to be using the uh, top three floors or the bottom four floors, so we're not going to pay rent for those either. So find somebody else to work out of there. Okay. All right. Hope WeWork is still working out because uh, that's what's going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that these people aren't going to be going out to restaurants and doing business, which means we need to open the country back up. That just means that these businesses who have big office spaces are going to let people work from home. And hopefully that will, you know, flatten the curve more than lockdowns, which are agonizing. But there you are. If you're having to go back into work, oof. Good luck. I hope you have confidence that your coworkers will adhere to safety protocols. So good move from Cal Cunningham, who is for office in North Carolina. Remember, we talked about it. He's running for Senate and he got busted having affairs, plural, and he just disappeared 
for a little while. This went away. He canceled a couple of appearances, which was a good call. But uh, more news came out that uh, he, you know, had took care of a little Cal Cunningham business with one of them at the house when the wife was gone. And remember, he was the one that <laughs> one of the sex texts that he sent said, "You are historically sexy." <laughs> Hey, nothing says, man, do I think you're hot than sending a text. You know, you are historically sexy. Oh, yeah. Now, there were more texts that he said, and apparently there was some photos, and the one lady was pissed. One of the affair ladies was pissed that he was not giving her enough attention. So he was going to, she was going to go, uh, go public. Cause she was, old Cal was, uh, was not giving her any more love. He was through with her. <laughs> okay. No problem. Thanks, Cal. Loved you too, babe. No, seriously. So, uh, apparently he's back out on the campaign trail. He never, he never dropped out. He didn't take his name off the, off the voting, uh, Royals, but I don't think he can't, right? We remember, I remember we talked about that. It was too close to the election. So his name's going to be on there anyway. So why jump out? Right. But he's got to get back out there and uh, start confronting people. And of course, they're going to ask about the affairs. And I mean, Cal was working hard when he disappeared to figure out a way to get around this. And so how do you do that if you're running for office? Well, I say, listen to Cal Cunningham. So they every time he was asked about the affairs, he just said, I have taken responsibility for the hurt that I've caused in my personal life. I've apologized for it. This campaign is about more than just me. North Carolinas are looking for somebody who's going to take on the monumental challenges in front of us. Okay. Thanks, Cal. That's really not an answer about the affairs and what's happening with it and how's your family and are you still having these affairs and how many women have you had affairs with? Can we look forward to more sex texts from you? Like the one that talked about, you are historically sexy. But no, whenever asked about it, um, look, I've taken responsibility for the hurt that I've caused in my personal life. And I've apologized for it. So this campaign is about more than just me. Got it? Okay, then. Next question. Today, we talked about the priest that uh, is in trouble in Louisiana. And now we have a pastor who quit her role in the church. And she wanted to become a stripper. And you know what? And selling uh, X-rated content online is her new calling. Nicole Mitchell, 36, from Orange County, California, grew up a strict Baptist and was training to become a leader of her Christian congregation. But during this time, she discovered that she was queer or at least bisexual. And she no longer felt she had a place in the church and decided to fulfill her teenage fantasy of becoming an erotic dancer. She now shares 
raunchy pictures on her Instagram account. She's amassed 95,000 followers and has an OnlyFans account where she sells further racy content to paying customers. Now, she had this to say in an interview on This Morning Today. Um, what I do is very polarizing. People are either a-okay with it or they're not okay with it. And so at the end of the day, I just have to decide what I am called to do and trust that calling on my life and let the chips fall where they may. And a lot of people have come around to support me. And I have lost a lot of, long, a lot of people along the way as well. Yeah. But we should say we're showing what are almost like family snaps of you there. I just want to explain to people watching at home, this is not representative of what Nicole does. Well, here is Mr. Telepresenter from London on uh, this morning today. Uh, it's exactly what she presents herself as uh these pictures these family snaps <laughs> uh what you see on instagram every day now of course what he's referring to is her only fans account that uh you know her paying customers pay for i don't know how many fans she has on her only fans account it doesn't say in the story and i don't know that she wants to say but if she has 95,000 Instagram followers, claims here hubby is okay with it. Uh, she's said it took a while for her to become more risque and take more chances along the way. But, I mean, she's got to be making some cash, right? We've got to find out. I've got to find out exactly what, uh, what her fans only or only fans account is. Hold on. Okay, so she has... 394 posts. She has 8,000.1, thousand likes. She is, uh, what has she got here? Twenty four ninety nine a month. Or you could get 50% off and get a six month subscription for 74.97. So 75 bucks for six months. <laughs> pulpit to porn baby pulpit to porn well you know if the family's okay with it and she's making cash bless her heart and she doesn't look terrible uh you know she doesn't look terrible i don't know that she's worth you know 25 bucks a month but that sounds bad i shouldn't say that of course she's worth 25 bucks a month who wouldn't think the mother of a children that are five seven and ten and are uh and has gone from preacher to porn isn't living the life she's wanted to she even said this has been her dream and now i don't think her dream her dream she said was being an exotic dancer. So maybe on the OnlyFans account, she's dancing. I don't know. If you subscribe to Nicole Mitchell on OnlyFans, if you're an, if you're a fan of Nicole Mitchell on OnlyFans and you subscribe, email me, chewingthefatattheblaze.com and we, I want to know what she's doing on her account. 
Is she dancing? Is she just snapping pics? Is she in the backyard? Is she in the front yard? Is she in the bedroom? Does she have her only fans room that's just for subscribers? Or what's going on with Nicole's OnlyFans account? In fact, maybe I should just reach out to Nicole and have a little chat with her myself. That, I believe, has to happen. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink as it is anyway. Oh, hey, and it's a bottle of refreshing fluid liquid. Because that's all they had on the shelf. It's Prime Day. Yay! Today and tomorrow. But really, I mean, any day over this pandemic has been uh, Prime Day. But I guess there's going to be huge sales and big deals going on on Amazon Prime in the next couple of days. So there may be products that you regularly get that you should perhaps order now since it'll probably be on sale because it's Prime Day. Just a thought. And of course, if you usually get things at Walmart or Target, I'm sure they're going to be having huge sale events on their websites as well. So, good luck. Save some money. I know that they're talking about how uh, these businesses are at least showing some uh, some bonuses, like uh, curbside pickup. They are, you know, Target and Best Buy have been uh, huge on their curbside pickup because, well, some of these, Best Buy wasn't even letting people in the store for a long time. So, I mean, you had to call ahead and pick it up curbside. But I think they learned, you know, that's not a bad thing. People call, know their product, and they get to get it and drive away. I realize that you want people coming into the store because then you get a little bit of browsing. Even the guy who says, I just go in and out, get what I need. I hate shopping around. But as you walk in, you see a sale. You may stop even if it's just for 30 seconds to check something out and get something or not. And you have to walk back to where your product is or walk to the right or walk to the left or wherever the heck your product is. And so you're seeing other items and that's going in your brain. And then you're back to Best Buy. So, you know, curbside is cool and it's great, but these retailers definitely want to get you in the store or at least to the website, right? I mean, so they've got a Man, if you are a website developer and can develop some ways to get people to stick around uh, to websites for 30 seconds longer than normal, uh, you're going to make some money. Get your product out there, which is you, and you're going to be making some money. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. So remember, remember when we were told... Masks work, and everyone wears a mask. And then it was, nah, you don't have to wear a mask. Don't worry about it. Don't have to worry about it. And then we were told, hey, uh, you know, some masks work better than other masks, and wear a gator mask, the neck gaiters, and because they don't work as well as the other masks. And then we find out that. Oh, wait, now it comes out that the neck gaiters work just as well as masks at stopping the spread of COVID-19. Oh, what about the past study? Ah, don't worry about those. Forget it. The protective wear trapped up to 90% 90 of the large particles escaping with 50% of the super fine particles. 
That's on par with the cloth face mask. So you're fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. So I can wear the neck gaiters. Yes, you're fine. What about the mask, the cloth mask? Yep. You can go ahead and wear those too. So really, even though the Duke study said, uh, the neck gaiters may make infectious droplets spread more easily. Eh, nah, you know, that's fine. Look, it's fine. Just, you know what we want? We want to get those studies out there that say, wear a mask. We don't need to have people confused over which mask to wear. We'll do that later. Right now, let's just get them wearing the mask and shutting up about it, okay? So if we start confusing them now over wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, and I can't wear this kind of mask, I can only wear this kind of mask, then they're going to get frustrated and say, screw it, I'm not going to wear a mask. So right now, let's not confuse the masses. Just tell them any mask is fine. We've got to get the people used to wearing the mask and not complaining about it. Then we'll, then we can get back to them and tell them which kind of mask to wear. Okay. <laughs> wow. Are you dumb? Remember to uh, subscribe to this podcast, Chewing the Fat. I'm sure if you're listening to this show right now for free <laughs> without being a subscriber, then you, it should be a crime. I am, uh, I'm submitting uh, some legislation that if people listen to a podcast and they're not a subscriber, it could be a crime. Right now it's not though, so you're safe. Don't worry about it. You haven't committed any any real crime yet. You have committed a, an egregious error by not being a subscriber to the show. So choose a platform that you prefer to use. Look, there's iTunes and there's iHeartRadio and there's Stitcher and there's Spotify. Whatever platform, there's a plethora of them that Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher is on. Choose one and then subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll get alerted when it, when it uploads or downloads, however you want to look at it, uh, every day. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I give and I give and I give on this show. It's a, <laughs> I work this tongue to the bone for you, which is why you should be a subscriber to the podcast. Okay. Reciprocate just a tad bit of love and subscribe to the podcast, please. Thank you. And then, you know, after you're a subscriber, then you can rate and review it. And, you know, 20 stars, best podcast ever. It's fine. You can do that after you subscribe. Sure. Then after you subscribe to the podcast, you can go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. It's the same name. You might as well just go and subscribe and click the little notification bell so you get alerted. <laughs> I mean, you might as well. After you subscribe to the podcast. And then, look, some of you may already follow me on one of my social media accounts at JeffyJFR on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Parlor Jeff Fisher Radio. So you're already kind of freeloading. I realize that, you know, following people on social media doesn't cost any money, but aren't you just kind of freeloading on their lives? So it's more important to. Subscribe to the podcast. That's it. I'm going to get off your back now. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm done. Done whining. It's okay. Just subscribe to the podcast. 
I'm looking forward to uh, an interview uh, during this podcast coming up uh, coming up on the show. I'm going to be talking to uh, Heather Montgomery, and she has a new book, "Who Gives a Poop." And uh, I was I was really fascinated by the book. It was a fun read and uh, fun and fun and fast. And uh, it was just uh, it was cute. There was a lot of cute facts, and we're going to talk to Heather about her uh, about her "Who Gives a Poop" book that has just been released. We did a story on Pat Unleashed this morning uh, when I was filling in on the show, for those of you listening live on the 13th of October, 2020, about how COVID-19 is sending pedigree puppy prices through the roof. And I'm still amazed at these prices going through the roof. So pups are fetching as 50% more nationwide because of lockdown loneliness. Isn't that uh, price gouging? The more I thought about it, that's uh, price gouging. I think we need to have some sort of investigation. So people are charging more for the puppies and you've still got to provide a private charter plane to have them delivered to you. Uh, how about no? <laughs> uh, no. So according to breeder Pat Self out of Missouri, a uh, they can't keep up. The breeders can't keep up. And he, uh, Pat, said i don't know but this says that pat is a he or a she so i just have to pat self none of us can keep up it's quite shocking it doesn't say whether pat is a he or a she so i apologize um says uh it's quite shocking no kidding so a cross between a maltese and a poodle a malapu sold for a thousand dollars to fifteen hundred dollars pre-pandemic which seems like a bit much even then but now for delivery before the holidays 2400 bucks that's price gouging i'm sorry no we're not paying price gouging prices so top dog city pups uh cavapoo a mix of cavalier king charles spaniel and a poodle and the golden doodle a poodle golden retriever hybrid. Wow. Uh, going for $3,200. And some places are charging 4700 bucks. Uh, no, this is this. I, I have now come to the conclusion that this is price gouging. Now, according to this, it says getting a puppy from a Midwest breeder to the east coast where most of the buyers are according to the breeders uh are on the east coast costs up to 399 dollars for a commercial flight but many airlines pause their live animal cargo because of the infection why would an airline pause their live animal cargo when they're dying for business why because we're bailing them out that's why that's ridiculous so now they have to get an $800 seat on a private charter. <laughs> and a smaller breed pup needs a flying companion. If you have a little pup that weighs less than two pounds, you got to have a companion. And that's another, that's like $1,500, $1,600. We are being price gouged to death on these stupid puppy prices. Now, a good way to make a quick living though. As I'm telling you this, I'm thinking, 
Well, I could volunteer to be a puppy companion. So you could pay me to be the puppy companion to fly to and fro and be with your poor little puppy. Come here, little puppy. I'll take you out to New York and meet your new owner. Here you go. See you later, little under two pound puppy that they just paid a bunch of money for. They can pay for me to ride with you too. Goodbye, little puppy. I'm just saying. I don't know that's a million dollar idea, but it's a way to make a couple of bucks. Now, there was some news. I uh, should have thrown this in with the mask talk, but Disney World is saying that the worst fears about the virus have not come true. Now, you know, of course, attendance has been low since the reopening. You know, the beginning of the reopening was pretty overwhelming, and then people were like, hey, no, we're not going to do this. But health officials and worker unions say that thanks to the safety protocols, they've kept the coronavirus at bay. Now, some may say, that this is Disney saying, we're fine. Everything's fine. Come to the park. Sure, you have to wear your mask 24-7 while you're at the park. And that's the way it goes. But no worries. We've kept the virus at bay. And with our new protocols, it's all good. I, you know, I mean, they're just, they're, they're dying, right? They went to California and begged California to reopen so they wouldn't have to lay people off. They, California doesn't care. We're not, if we open up Disney World, then we've got to let Bill's Bar and Grill open, and we don't want to do that. Uh, it's embarrassing, uh, and it's killing the country. And that, it has to stop. Johnson & Johnson has paused its COVID-19 vaccine study after an unexplained illness in a participant. Now, we already know that you know it's not uncommon for pauses to happen during a clinical trial. Uh, I mean, 60,000 people. Yeah, it's not uncommon at all. But kind of disappointing and, you know, slows that process down a little bit. And uh, President Trump will not be happy. <laughs> I mean, he'll still be immune. And he'll, you know, still be feel like he's king of the world and run around and give you that COVID kiss if you want. I'm sorry, that post-COVID kiss if you want. But, uh, you know, it kind of puts a little, a little hitch in the giddy up, uh, on the, getting that vaccine out there. And you have, uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson implementing a three tiered system of restrictions on parts of England to bring down the spread of COVID-19. I wonder what, hold on, I should have clicked on the, what are the three tiered plan that Boris is giving us. It's going to shutting pubs and the lockdowns are going to include shutting pubs and bars and banning wedding receptions in areas placed in the very high alert level. The other alert levels in the new system are medium and high. Boy, that took some time. Figure that one out. You know, we took all the very high level and then a uh, medium level and high level. Oh, that's a good idea, Boris. Oh, okay. So, 
if right now, if you're classified at the very high level, gyms, uh, leisure centers, casinos, betting shops, adult gaming centers, they will also close. Wow. I mean, okay. You don't want to be in the very high. (laughs) You do not want to be in the very high uh, portion of the flag. If we let the virus rip, then the bleak mathematics dictate that we would suffer not only an intolerable death toll, but we would put such a huge strain on the National Health Service with an uncontrolled spike that our doctors and nurses would simply be unable to devote themselves to other treatments. Agreed. But right now, even with the count case count going up, the death count is not. So... But you know what? Hey, sure... Don't worry about that whole, you know, he said, I know that it's frustrating and thinking about the repressions of liberty. Yeah, just a tad. I know this is the United Kingdom and not the U.S., but it might as well be us. Just unbelievable. So uh, Facebook has said now that they're going to ban content that distorts or denies the Holocaust. (laughs) Wait, what? So if you deny the Holocaust, you're going to get banned? Well, well, well. Are this Facebook finally admitting that, yes, there was a Holocaust? Amazing. I know. Somebody kicked our man (laughs) Zuck in the rear end. Hey, Zuck, it actually happened, bro. What? I know. Okay. And a second uh, COVID-19 infection, according to this now, maybe worse than the first. Sure, we think we're immune. Donald Trump believes he's immune now. He's cured. He's immune. If you had it once before, you've built up, a, uh, you've built up your immune system. You've got your good. Don't worry about it. Well, according to this study, and we're finding this out with damn near everything, just like the masks. One day they tell you this. The next day they tell you that. So according to this, an otherwise healthy 25-year-old man from Nevada was reinfected, according to a new report in the Lancet Infectious Diseases Medical Journal. (laughs) And uh, again, who doesn't get the Lancet Infectious Diseases Medical Journal and needed hospital treatment? According to this, this raises further questions about immunity for those who have already had the disease so we don't really know if the otherwise healthy 25 year old man was you know jumping around in a peaceful protest i'm sure they think he went to a trump rally so we're not really sure if he was swimming around in covid19 i mean why wouldn't you swim around in COVID-19. So according to this, the first wave of symptoms included sore throat, cough, headache, nausea, diarrhea, test positive for the first time. Initial symptoms fully resolve a week later. Then in May, he tastes, he tests negative for the virus two, two times. He developed symptoms again at the end of May, which is a month later. Uh, then a month after he had his initial symptoms fully resolved, and a couple of weeks after the negative test, he developed symptoms again, this time including fever, headache, dizziness, cough, nausea, and diarrhea. Then in a week later, he tests positive 
for the second time and his hypoxic low blood oxygen with shortness of breath. Wow. So, but they don't say in between that time when he tested negative after, after resolving all the symptoms, whether he was, what was going on, right? It was, uh, he tests negative a couple times and then we don't know if he was, it doesn't say, and he, he was swimming in COVID. <laughs> so, okay. We'll see what was going on in Nevada at the time as our otherwise healthy 25 year old man was, uh, was reinfected. But if that's true, holy cow. And that doesn't bode well for becoming, uh, immune for a period of time afterward because that timeline was only a couple of weeks total i mean what i say was a month uh the timeline was a month after fully resolving the symptoms but it wasn't a month it was less than a month for him to test positive again and developing symptoms again so you know maybe he never left it i don't know but he still tested negative a couple times i don't know some days it's good, some days it's bad. You can quote me on that. But really, who gives a poop? Download and subscribe to more content at theblaze.com slash podcasts. Who gives a poop? That's the question. Who gives a poop? Well, Heather Montgomery gives a poop. And that's her new book, uh, Who Gives a Poop? Surprising Science from One End to the Other. Heather, welcome to Chewing the Fat. How in the world are you? Oh, I'm excited. I'm ready to talk about some fecal fun today. (laughs) There's nothing like it. So as I'm perusing your book, uh, we can kind of break down some of the chapters and go through it. But I will say that I really enjoyed the notes at the bottom of the pages with the little facts, the little fun (laughs) facts. Those were great. Well, excellent. And I know uh, one of my favorite ones was uh, about the gopher turtles. It's early on in the book. But I had uh, my my first, my first, I know this interview is with you, but my first mother-in-law, uh, her, she and I had a huge fight for years, a friendly fight, over whether gopher turtles were called gophers or turtles. Because I, I would never, this was in Florida, and uh, she had them around her around her house, and she would always call them gophers. She was, you know, born and raised in Florida. And I was like, those aren't gophers. Those are turtles. You're out of your mind. And then we finally got into a big article about a guy who was poaching them. And they were referred to as gopher turtles. So we were both right. But I love the fun facts about the gopher turtles and how their tunnels uh, are safe shelter for forest fires. And 350 species depend on these tortoises, including a beetle that refuses to eat anything except the gopher tortoise droppings have you studied that particular beetle oh yeah i love these things right so the thing about nature is it's so amazingly intricate and we have just just scratched the edge of the iceberg in understanding what's going on for example that tortoise right it lives deep in the ground yeah and, and most of the time it's down under there and we don't know what's going on with it right and so <laughs> still come to find out like you know you gotta go you gotta go and so he right. goes in the bottom right. of this tunnel but 
that's not actually great to be living in your feces. So he's probably thankful. I mean, I can't read the mind of a tortoise, but he's probably saying thank you to this beetle because what this beetle does is, well, consume his, you know, poop. Right. And then right. What's, you know, phenomenal is that's that whole process of recycling. And sure, we've all heard about, you know, poop is fertilizer, but this kind of puts a new spin on it, right? Yeah, it does. Yes, this it does. This creature can only live. That's the only place we know on earth that it lives. Just phenomenal. So as I as we go through your book, and I usually just run down the favorite things of your uh, chapters. So I'm going to name you a few chapters, and you just give me the favorite thing in that chapter. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, chapter poo poo choo choo. <gasps> so uh, I don't know if I'd say it's favorite, but this piece right here, this story of poop being put on a train, human feces being put on a train from New York and New Jersey and shipped all the way to Alabama. Yeah, and that's was, down in your neck of the woods, exactly. right? Exactly. And I was, yeah. honestly, I was a little bit miffed here, right? Like what happened is it got stuck in this this community. Yeah, uh, I remember that story. Some paperwork issues. They couldn't unload it. And so it was stuck there. And I was, you know, what's going on here? And And between you and me, like, I did not want human poop in this book. No, that's <laughs> disgusting. Who wants to look at that? I'm interested in animals and animals yeah. are fascinating. And this taught me a lesson right here. This story right here taught me about my own bias, right? Really? Mm -hmm. It came back and got me at the end of the book. This is the amazing thing that happens okay. when we're willing to look at that thing that we think is gross and we think is disgusting and is too much. We'll actually face it surprising things happen yeah no right? doubt about that so I, I remember that story and i'm mm -hmm. sure that uh oh what's the name of the city now something in Par parish is parish, that right parish yeah, alabama yeah. right yeah, yeah. are they still uh, are they still housing nope human poo nope nope that's all cleared out now nice. and so that's a good thing yeah i'm sure the i'm sure the parish town folk are happy about that but just thinking about that you know what you learn when you actually start looking at it right that's right. I, th there's another fun fact that I learned from your book, as a matter of fact, since we talked about your neck of the woods in the, uh, you know, the great state of Alabama. Has uh, more species of freshwater fish, crayfish, snails, mussels, turtles, carnivorous plants, and others and, uh, than any other state. That's right. incredible. And who knew? And you think that's compared to some states that are kind of bigger than us. Think Texas, think California. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the state right. I'm in now. We're, yeah. And it is amazing. And we just don't know what's in our backyard. And since I live in Texas, that that, that fun fact right there has got to be a lie. Texas wins that. Ah, Texas. <laughs> well, for certain species, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you Texans. I love the fun facts, though. Bigger I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the fun facts. So as... Uh, how bad, and we can go on. These are some of the notes that I took as I was reading your book here. So... Uh, uh, I, I did have the poo poo train. Uh, what about the, uh, the pangolins? I was a big fan of the pangolin story. Right? Great story. Pangolins are amazing. Unfortunately, uh, they're also being extirpated off the planet because, well, people, <laughs> people eat them maybe. And people also use their, uh, their scales yeah. um, for, uh, for medicinal uses. These pangolins are amazingly shy, and we can't actually find them. So 
in order to find these pangolins to help protect them, we, they, they're training dogs to go right. Them, right? So here's the thing. If you can't find an animal, um, how, how can you train know what it smells like? Right. Yeah. How do you know what, right? So, so literally this group had to travel all the way to Asia to track down some poop um, and then train the dogs on that poop. And the dogs can then find the pangolins. It's amazing. But you know what? We don't even know the basic things about these animals. Like, we don't even know about all their diets. And um, they're, they're all these different species of pangolins. The, the largest pangolin ever recorded is a giant ground pangolin weighing 72 pounds. Wow. And then yeah, on the other end of the one. scale is this long-tailed pangolin, who's only four to six pounds. Um size difference that's like a boxer versus a chihuahua right so pretty amazing yeah and this poop stinks apparently uh the the scientist i talked to you know she's tracked all kinds of wildlife um using poop and she said pangolins by far the worst which doesn't quite make sense because we think all they eat is insects but honestly we don't know we we literally just don't know and when you talk about uh you know how uh the we evil humans are getting rid of them. Uh, <laughs> a, uh, the poachers don't care what they eat. They just want to know how to how they live so they can find them. Sure, sure. I mean, when you need food, you need food, and you you're gonna find you're gonna find the pangolins if you can. So did we? We found out though through this through your your friends, right? That they have different home spaces. You know, obviously for their size and stuff, but I mean, do they, are they generally the same kind of looking for the same home? I'm just fascinated by the pangolin now, to be honest with you. No, I am too, because they're fascinating. And and honestly, we don't have all those answers yet, but yeah, one of them, um, one of them was found up in a tree and, yeah. and the scientist was not looking in the tree because that's not where we thought they lived. But the dog was pointing was reacting to the the tree and the and the scientists we think you know normally they live in these holes in the ground um right this, this is what i'm saying like there's so much we don't know right there's so much that we have yet to understand about the world That's so a couple things mm-hmm. uh, you seem to have taken a shine to animal autopsies <laughs> so are we still we still autopsying bodies in the in the front room or are you done with that was that just for the book oh um i am always interested in animal anatomy it 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 fascinates me um i <laughs> i just can't help my curiosity right now these are animals that are already dead right i'm, I'm not going to kill an animal to understand what goes through its gut um, but once an animal's died, say on the road, you know, yeah, I stretched the beaver intestines all across my front porch. Oh, that's and great. Then, that's fascinating. Tell, tell how that got started. I love the, the I think that's got guts. The got guts, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So all my friends know I'm into this stuff, right? And, and yeah. so uh, a friend sends me a... A, a picture, a, a screenshot of this thing called Got Guts. It's c- citizen science. And I'm like, yeah, citizens, I'm a citizen. I like to do science. So um, it's basically a group of scientists that are asking people to send pictures of animal guts. Now, you know, I just charge right in there and go, oh, I've got some <laughs> animals in my freezer. I have this dead beaver. I'm like, oh, let me stretch it out. And so I stretch it out and do all this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't follow the instructions. You're supposed to like measure it when it's in the body and you're supposed to do this and that. And the other. 
I didn't right. do that. I just charged right in because right. Oh, I wanted to see what was in a beaver's gut. And how is a beaver's gut different than a deer gut, different than a bobcat gut? They're fascinatingly different, right? So that's how that started. And I ended up with beaver gut all over my uh, front porch. And turns out this um, scientist is asking some really important questions. Like, we don't even know the basic information, like how long are intestines in different animals? It doesn't seem like that. A lot of people may say that we need we can go through our life without knowing that. Well, sure. But you, on the other hand, Heather, want us to know that. I do want us to know that. And, and I want us to think about the connection to humans. So she also then did, you know, a little looking in some human bodies and, and discovered that women's intestines are longer than men's. We did not know that. How did we not so know that? So many jokes on just letting them go. I know, right? Thank so you. <laughs> just letting them go. You can write your own jokes. How can anyway, we know this? We're talking to Heather Montgomery, uh, author of Who Gives a Poop? And uh, there were some fine illustrations in there. I'm sure Iris is uh, is a friend and uh, did a good job for the book. So uh, how bad, after going through the book and uh, and studying a little bit of uh, uh, to write the book, uh, Who Gives a Poop? Uh, how bad do you hate humans now? I don't hate humans at all, right? <laughs> I don't at all. And so this is the thing, like the like the whole idea of looking at the human poop and how I had this idea that it was so gross. It 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 comes back to teach me the lesson that we're we're a part of this planet too, right? Amen. And that is is so critical. Now we have choices that we make all the time, right? And I think it's important for us to to make careful choices. But but we belong here. Yeah. You know, and um we're the rulers, damn it, Heather. That's <laughs> well, just the way it is. That all depends on your personal <laughs> belief. But uh I think that every organism is fascinating. I, I'm fascinated by the book. There were some great stories in it and uh it was really it was a it was a fun it was a fun read. And there's some great fun facts. I also was surprised that uh, you are uh, just a, an overwhelming bug lover. I am. And uh, none of that changed, right? It just endeared you even more to the bugs while going through Who Gives a Poop? I love insects. They're phenomenal. I think part of it is because they're just underappreciated, right? And uh, they're everywhere, and all we know about are, quote unquote, the bad ones, right? We think about mosquitoes. Yeah. Right? And we, we think, think about, go, go on, go on. I've got no, to, we don't on, think I'll about think like all the dung beetles that, that manage the poop of the world. And what would we do without them, right? So we just hear or, you know, experience some insects that, you know, we don't like. And therefore, we have a bias against all of them. Yeah. And, well, I, I did a story earlier in the show today about the venomous caterpillars. Oh yeah. And uh do you know if venomous caterpillars are are they attack caterpillars or are they just, you know, regular just kind of small crawling caterpillars? Right, they're them? just small crawling caterpillars. Um they don't actually go out and attack you. They are um, Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I've okay. been right. I've been nabbed. Well, what happens though is often they're on a tree and you walk past and you brush it on your arm. Oh. And that's where, you, that's where I typically get stung the most, is on so my arm as I accidentally they, brush it. It's like an inadvertent attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just covered in it. I mean, it's not, they don't have that for us. They have that to keep predators from eating them. That's all. <laughs> um, they're so, just covered So, really, and one of the one of the things that, you know, we, we joke around, obviously, uh, you know, about, uh, about 
poop and crap and everything else, but it's an important process. I mean, it is the, you know, the circle of life, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. So, uh, what do we as humans need to do anything at all? Or we just need to make sure that we become one with the planet. (laughs) I think we need to put our poo goggles on and, uh, see, you know, be willing to ask questions. So sure, poo is fertilizer. I mean, but it can cause problems, right? And um, I think we just need to not be afraid to ask those questions, right? I mean, poop can be used to save lives. Does that mean it's perfect? No. You know, there's definitely problems there. We don't want to go stirring it with our bare hands. Okay. Speaking of that, I was I was gonna now I was I was gonna let it go, but now you brought it back full circle <laughs> to the beginning of the book, and I was on my notes, so I'm going back to it. You don't get to go away without me asking this question. You can hang up if you want. Uh, the uh, you, there's a brief note about uh, how human poo is uh, developed and then put it back into other humans. That's right. What do we do that for? So we do that because it saves lives. Yeah, okay, that's an easy. Yeah, no, let me tell we you. do it because it saved grandma's life. Okay, listen, great. But grandma listen. got Harry's poop put in her, and she's alive. But why are we doing that? So your guts are full of microbiome. Microbiome, right? There's all this bacteria that lives in there. There's quote unquote good guys and quote unquote bad, bad guys, guys, right? A lot of bad guys in mind, by the way, but go ahead. When the bad guys take over, specifically, I'm talking about C. difficile, a really bad guy that can totally ruin you. C. difficile has in the past killed 29,000 Americans in a year. Wow. Right? That's pretty serious stuff. Yeah. Well, okay. Poop can, cure, can, can fix that at a rate of about 89%. This is crazy, but think about it this way. You've got poop coming out of a healthy human has a nice healthy balance of bacteria. Okay. okay? If you're back to if somebody and I met this young lady who's who had C difficile and the C difficile had taken over her her guts, okay? Her brother donated his dump. Okay. They inject it with literally looks like a baster up into sure. her body, right into her colon then his healthy bacteria can take over, right? And it usually takes two times, and it did with her, two times, but it totally changed her life because she now had a healthy uh, microbiome in there. Just blows our mind, right? that's awesome. And it's this idea that we used to think bacteria was bad, 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 but wait, here's bacteria that we need. Yeah, I mean, we're using it for good. That's awesome. Heather, Heather Montgomery, author of Who Gives a Poop on Chewing the Fat. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, it was a it was a fun read. Thanks. It was a great time. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Heather. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I ended up, I, a number that they gave me on an email today. Yeah. Uh, to contact someone. Oh, no. Uh, I called. Uh-oh. And it belonged to a Jody. Yes. So Jody gave me a number, but that number was not a good it number. Didn't work. Yes. So I, I, I'm not going to call Jody back and say, Heather gave you the wrong number and start a fight. Yeah. But I'm just letting you know Thank that you. the number that Jody has for you, okay. this 256-4226-5871 is either a number that you had and give to people at bars and tell Great. them to call you. <laughs> Listen, I got another interview. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll let you go. Yeah. No, no problem. Thank you. Bye. No I'll Appreciate talk to you it. later. Bye. See you.